Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Big 12 basketball weekend preview coming up. A whole lot in the line for a bunch of teams. Big 12 title race. One team could be out of it. One of the Blue Bloods. We'll break that down today on the show. Also, look back at this week. Uh, we got the college ball playoff. The new television contract. Is that good news or bad news for the Big 12? This is the Big 12 watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, all of those things help grow the show, help grow the channel. We really do appreciate it when you all do those things. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You all can find the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Uh, yeah, appreciate all that stuff. So this week in Big 12 basketball, you know, I think about the standings and I think about what we're starting to get after. And look, there's some teams in the bubble. You know, Joe and already thinks TCU is on the bubble. I think they're a bit safer. Most folks, Cincinnati is in the bubble, wrong side of it. Um, but I think I think about the title race this week. You know, this is a huge week for the Big 12 in terms of deciding who I think the champion is going to be. Because think about the conference and how far we are in to this year. You know, uh, Iowa State has played. Let's see, Iowa State and Houston, who are up top right now, they have played uh, at this point. Do, do, do. Iowa State's played 11 games. Houston has played 11 games. They're both tied at 11 and three. Um, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes. Yeah, so about eight games left. Right. So we are over halfway through the season. And right now, uh, Iowa state and Houston are tied at eight and three Baylor and Texas tech are right there at seven and four KU's at six and a, uh, six and five, a game or excuse me, seven and five, a game and a half back bunch of teams at six and five, but Houston's the real leader in the clubhouse. It feels like Iowa state right there is a number two. Feels like Kansas should be the third best team in the league, but they're not playing like it right now. So some serious questions about the Jayhawks. And I, I think, you know, this entire weekend, like we're going to get some pretty big answers to some questions. And so Texas Tech, Iowa State is at 11 o'clock on ESPN Plus. And this is one of those games that, look, Texas Tech, you know, uh, really strong at home this year. And they've had, they've had some road success too, but they're coming off what was a, a, just ass whipping that they handed Kansas. Darion Williams, obviously the hottest players in the country uh, in all of college basketball with that performance that he had, you know, first player to go 12 for 12, right? 10 plus rebounds. I mean, he was phenomenal. Pop Isaacs really has the ball on a string right now. It feels like not shooting the rock well. And I think that's, that's kind of the big concern. And at times Joe Toussaint has not shot the ball well, but what they're accomplishing, despite the fact that they're not the most consistent shooting team is good. And they've got, Isaacs, who's a really good, just a college stud when it comes to playing the point guard position. They've got Tucson, who's got a ton of experience, good defender. Kerwin Walton's seen a ton of action through his time at Carolina and also at Texas Tech. And then adding guys like Darion Williams, who have really helped out. I mean, it's a pretty exciting uh, you know, thing for them. And then Iowa State, this team is not just Hilton Magic, but this week they're going to have some Hilton Magic, right? They're going to be at home. And this could be a weekend where we actually see them take the mantle 
as the number one team. But I, I think you know, when I think about these two teams, obviously defense is what Iowa State is known for. It's what they hang their hat on, 62 uh, points per game allowed. And also for them, uh, it's, it's around 79 points per game. But uh, really the big thing for them is how good they are at home this season. And that's obviously been uh, you know the, the real uh, boon for their season. And Tame and Lipsy, and also Keyshawn Gilbert in the backcourt for them, having both of those guys uh, step up the way they have. And then ha- also having a guy like Momsilovich on the wing, you know, to have a wing player who can score like that, to have Jones who can score like the way he can too. Trey King, you know, uh, the occasional three-point maker, right? So anytime it's a Hilton home game, you have to take Iowa State. But Texas Tech, not going to be too scared of the moment, it feels like, this weekend. That's 11 o'clock game. Another 11 o'clock game, K-State host TCU. Talk about K-State getting in on the act on the bubble. This is another one of those home games. I mean, K-State's basically going to have to be perfect at home the rest of the way if they want to go. And they had a bye this week, so that's huge for them. But they're going to have to be perfect at home, and they're going to need to snag, I think, a couple games on the road. They've got TCU, uh, BYU, West Virginia, and uh, Iowa State all left at home. They're going to have to win all those games. And that's going to put them at 20 wins on the nose. Uh, actually, we put them at 19 wins, right? So you probably have to get one in the tournament too. But they play at Texas, at Cincinnati, at Kansas, the rest of the way. Five and three looks really good for them. Very, very possible. But a six and two, I think no doubt about that, puts them on the right side of the bubble. And they have some recovering they have to do, but that Kansas win really helps them. The Oklahoma State loss is what really hurts them, right? But a win against Baylor, a win against Kansas, uh, if you can stack some more on top of that, you'll be in pretty good shape. And I think that they can do that. So huge opportunity for them this weekend. TCU edging towards the bubble, but that looks like an NCAA tournament team to me. Uh, TCU just appears to be 17-7, and 6-5 and five in the league. They're in right now. Um, and they played on big Monday too. So they'll be well rested. That was a home game against West Virginia. That's a massive game at 11 o'clock on ESPNU at noon on CBS, Texas and Houston. Now, Joe Lenardi thinks that Texas is in pretty good shape. I think he has them right now as a 10 seed. Um, that's where he's got them, but a guy like a Jerry Palm, I I like both guys, Uh, I like both guys a lot. Jerry Palm has got them a bit closer to the bubble. He also has them as a 10, right? But your play-in games are between 11 seeds. So obviously you're one removed from that. You are pretty close to being on the bubble. So Texas having to go on the road and play Houston is an opportunity for them. And I think they've got the horses to hang, but the execution just for Texas has, has not been there. 16 and eight on the year, five and six in the big 12. They picked up some big wins, but can they go on the road and get this win? They've got one big road win as it sits right now. Actually two big road wins. They beat TCU and they beat Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma pretty good on the road. And they beat TCU on the road pretty convincingly. They also beat Cincinnati on the road. So that's actually three pretty strong road performances for them this season. We know they can do it on the road, but Houston has just been the hammer. Now, that being said, Texas does bring some stuff offensively that could give Houston some problems, but man, you better be ready to rebound. Uh, Houston's one of the best rebounding teams in the country. They don't pass the ball super well, not some high octane scoring team, but they D you up and they rebound the basketball at an incredibly high level. So that is what uh, I think that game will come down to is rebounding. Can Texas be tough on the interior 
in that way so they can hang with the Houston Cougars. But big matchup, obviously big spotlight on CBS. BYU at Oklahoma State. Feels like Oklahoma State could win this game. BYU, don't trip up. Uh, Three o'clock on ESPN. Talk about a game that's got some implications for the Big 12 title race. Number six, Kansas at number 25, Oklahoma. I was listening to Field of 68 this week. They were discussing the Kansas Jayhawks. And the thought that, I think it was Matt McCall, the former UMass coach had, which I could not agree more with, is that is there a team that desperately needs their bye week more than the Kansas Jayhawks? KU needs to get to a a place and a time where they can sit and they can get healthy. They have got the bye coming this week because the rest of the year for them is a murderer's row. They have got Oklahoma. They have got Texas next Saturday. Then they have BYU at home, at Baylor, K-State, at Houston. I mean, they are playing all of those teams are either tournament teams right now, and I think K-State ends up being, you know, in contention for a tournament spot uh, and has tournament uh, type ability. And so Kansas has just been taking licks recently. And look, look at their last seven games, you know, whatever it is, actually since January 20th. So the last month for them, essentially. So we're at February 16th right now. Loss against, uh, let's see, uh, I'll I'll even go, yeah, January 20th. Loss at West Virginia. They beat Cincinnati. Uh, Loss at Iowa State. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Houston. Loss at K-State. They beat Baylor. Loss at Texas Tech. They have not won a road game since they beat Oklahoma State on the 16th. Um, And, you know, in that period of time, they also have four home wins as well. But they're four and four in their last eight games. And this is this is the Big 12 championship game for them. I mean, this is they won't have any chance of winning the regular season championship. They have to win this game. And I think this is kind of the best shot at a a one seed. You know, it might go away right here. You have a week where you lose two road games and you've lost five straight road games. It's going to be hard. I mean, it's not impossible to go back and get that one seed. Right. It's not it's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility. But it feels like that becomes an uphill climb. For Porter Mosier and company, they've been playing really strong, solid basketball, especially at home. They've been good, um, but they've picked up some road wins too. Last one for them, they did lose at Baylor, but still this is kind of the big one you circle last time you host Kansas. So I, I think this game is huge in terms of the Big 12 championship race. If they if Kansas loses this game, I'm pretty close to crossing them off the list. Big one for Cincinnati against UCF at 3 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Cincinnati, 15-9, and 4-7 in the Big 12. UCF, 13-10, 4-7. Cincinnati needs to win this game if they want to get back towards, you know, heading towards the, the, the tournament. Uh, right now, Jerry Palm does not have them in his first four out uh, or his last four in. And Joe Lenardi does. They need to win this game. 4-8 and eight in the league is not in a good enough spot. Uh, and these are, this is ostensibly one of your easier games, right? Uh, UCF, is towards the bottom of the league. Not saying it makes them a bad team, but they're towards the bottom of the league. So how about the games that you need to win? This is one of them that you have to have. Cincinnati wants to make the tournament. And then finally, ESPN 2, 5 o'clock, it's Baylor at uh, West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia's got a bunch of quality wins on the resume. They've got a bunch of losses too. But they have a win at, or at home against Cincinnati, a win against Kansas, a win against Texas. Right, so they have these three wins in conference that are all pretty strong wins, but, but uh, you know the rest of the season's gone terribly for them. So we'll see if they can defend home court. Baylor, just kind of keep doing what you're doing, plugging away. You're right there in Big Twelve championship contention, and maybe one of the teams that's better than you slips up. If that is the case, if they slip up, uh, you know, you'll be um, 
you'll, you'll be able to kind of make something happen there. Um, you know, if, if somebody else slips up, you can kind of slide into the right spot. So it's a big Saturday in the big 12. They don't have a premier game. I mean, Oklahoma, Kansas, kind of the, you know, the premier game, but like all of those Texas tech, Iowa state, plenty of stakes in that one. TCU, Kansas state, plenty of stakes, K state, uh, Texas against Houston, plenty of stakes, Kansas, Oklahoma, plenty of stakes, UCF and Cincinnati, plenty of stakes, plenty on the line this weekend in the big 12 for hoops. So there's some big news this week about the college football playoff format. And I thought this might be coming. And so there's a reason why I kind of waited on this, but the news we're seeing here, it's a report ESPN could pull the $7.8 billion media rights offer. If the CFP doesn't resolve 12 team format. And this comes from uh, John Orand over at puck news. And he says, uh, and I'm also reading here from Andrew Graham over at on three, However surprising the move might be, it's apparently possible that the reported $7.8 billion media rights deal for ESPN to broadcast CFP doesn't get consummated, according to Puck News' John Oran. In a recent newsletter, Oran reported that the deal has yet to be signed. While the two sides are apparently in agreement on the deal, ESPN could apparently choose to walk in the coming months if the CFP management doesn't get its act together, Oran wrote. The most important issue is that the CFP obviously uh, goes to 12 teams, but also uh, the Pac-12 is not dissolved yet and they can't get there without the Pac-12 vote, right? So here's a quote here. This process has only gotten more complicated as the Pac-12 has essentially uh, become the Pac-2 or in the newsletter with only poor Washington state and Oregon state left behind big 10 and sec continue levitating above the NCA to become their own veritable semi-professional leagues. The playoff committee needs to figure out how to placate the conferences, ensure that the larger format is more inclusive and allow everyone, the conferences, the schools and the broadcast partners chief among them to make enough money. So they play nice, at least for now, ESPN is apparently looking to prioritize a number of other sports properties of broadcast, including NBA, UFC, meaning the CFP can't afford to sit idly. All right. So a couple things here. This is a really interesting dance because the college football playoff is it, they want to go to 12 teams. We all know that. Obviously, the Pac-2 wants whatever they see as their share. But like you can't recognize a two team conference and say, hey, a conference champion should be in from a two team league because they don't have anybody else to play. Right. If we're talking about AQs, which has been uh, promoted, right, the five plus seven or the six plus six model, six automatic qualifiers based off the six highest ranked conference champions and then six at large teams or five plus seven, the five highest ranked champions plus the seven at large teams in the rankings um, that uh, that acquired or that requires approval. Right. And Kirk Scholes right now is just going to play hardball and not give them that approval that they need. And so they're sitting there trying to figure out what the options are and how they can basically placate Kurt Scholes, how they can placate the networks and also get their piece as well. And so I think that's why you saw Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti of the SEC and the Big Ten come together and say, all right, we're the top dogs. What can we do here? But the other part of this that's really interesting is they can't just break off and do their own thing. We've talked about this so much, but we can't just go and do a two league super, you know, two league super league because there are more teams that people care about than just those schools. 
And it becomes semi-professional, yes, too. But once again, people don't just want to watch. There are people who are Big 12 fans. And if you tell me, hey, Oregon against uh, USC is all I can watch. Oregon against Michigan is what I have to care about. Oregon against Purdue is the highest level. Why the hell would I watch that? I'm a Kansas State fan, all right? I like the Chiefs as well. If I want to watch high-level football, I'll go watch my Kansas City Chiefs. If I want to watch my team play, I'll watch my K-State Wildcats. But I care about Oregon if we can play Oregon. Can we play Oregon? We can't play Oregon. Why do I care about Oregon? It's not like it's the highest level of football, right? And so that is why uh, I think it's an interesting dance of what they have to do to figure this thing out. Also, an interesting piece of this is there is potential here that and I heard the cover three guys talking about this the other day, that this offer was a low amount to, to what I thought. And not many people are in on the college football playoff right now, um, you know, at, at that price, just because people haven't really come at it and people want the NFL. It's kind of the number one thing that they want, but you're hearing ESPN here is prioritizing other sports. So they want big matchups clearly, but they also want to like, they want a lot of their properties to be on there. So the, the five plus seven, for example, right? Well, they have the television rights to, I think the American still, obviously the big 12, the sec. So if you're them, you would like to have some of the properties that are on your network, like getting spots. Right. And so you, you want to make sure that, Hey, uh, we're filtering teams that are on the ESPN family of networks into this, uh, into this situation. And also I think they see out there, Hey, there's not a lot of people vying for this right now. Not as many folks out there trying to get this. Andrew Marshan of The Athletic broke the news of the deal. He says the full contract's completion is still contingent on CFP leaders finalizing details of the expanded format in the wake of the implosion of the Pac-12. The CFP's management committee and board members, board managers, have meetings scheduled for next week and continue to work through the complicated process of settling out their, under, uh, their outstanding issues. The SBN deal will not be ratified until the commissioner's and presidents vote on the structure uh, of the financials. ESPN Senior VP of Communications, John Krulowitz, and ESPN uh, and CFP Executive Bill Hancock have both declined to comment. ESPN holds the rights to the new set of first-round games held on on-campus sites, in addition to the quarterfinals and semifinals championship games. Not yet known what the fee for the first-round games will be for the next two seasons. Quarterfinals will be played at the current New Year's Six Bowls, whose rights are also owned by ESPN. So it makes a lot of sense, obviously, that ESPN wants those New Year's Six included in there. It makes sense that they want the full thing, too. If we already have the New Year's Six, we already have those rights. We already have the CFP, the Final Four. You know, Let's just go ahead and get those first-round games in there as well, and you're getting more inventory. But I think like all of these things, there is a number somewhere in the middle that will make the Pac-2 happy, and they'll get some cash for them and influx to help with some things, obviously, in the short term. Um, you know, it's it's funny though with conference realignment, like you can't just shove all these conferences to the side all of a sudden. But I I do really think this. I do think it's not like they're going to be getting like three hundred million dollars to the Pac-12. Like there's a certain amount that they're going to be getting for two schools that will make sense. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some legal things coming their way. But yeah, I mean, if you're the SEC and you're the Big Ten, you want uh, probably as many uh, non-AQs as possible, right? Just because. Uh, you want at large bids and you have the two strongest leagues. So you want as many, as many at large as possible. Uh, if I'm other leagues, I want the AQs. I think it'd be good for the sport. If we have the AQs, we'll still get the same champions. I want to see games in interesting places. So for the big 12, you're kind of between this, like the ACC's 
maybe about to have their kind of exodus. I don't know. Once again, still, it's going to be uh, something we have to watch for to see what happens. But um, the Big 12 is kind of in like a pretty solid, solid spot. I think you're going to have somebody there in the in the college ball playoff, it feels like. Also, the NCAA tournament expanding. Ross Dellinger talked about it earlier in the week. Uh, I think you're okay on that front too. But this taking the bull by the horns and trying to kind of do your own deal is has become a little bit harder than I think everybody bargained for because there's different needs for everybody. Every conference needs a little something different right now. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on X slash Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore at NWPod365. You guys can find me, um, yeah, in those places. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure you guys find us. We get your podcast five stars in those places. All right, folks, talk at you this week.